Bienvenidos a Radio Menea. I'm Miriam Suela Perez. And I'm Vero Valletti Flores. And we're two Latinx friends with wildly different music tastes. And each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love. And this week our episode is all about the gaps, the people we're surprised we haven't brought to the show yet. Sometimes the people we're a little bit ashamed we haven't brought to the show yet. <laughs> <laughs> Un poco de vergüenza. Just a little bit. A little That's bit. right. We... Uh, I've been making this show for three years now, uh-huh. and sometimes we'll bring people and we'll be like, how have we not brought right. this artist before? Right. So we decided to make an episode just to address some like major gaps that we yeah. noticed. Exactly. And this first one, me da un poco de vergüenza because I'm Cuban. <laughs> um, <laughs> the one that we started with, that's, we'll take another listen to. This is uh, Buena Vista Social Club, and it's Candela. So yeah, as a Cuban American, you know, Buena Vista Social Club is just such a, they're such legends and they had such an important kind of role in bringing to the international attention the artists, the Cuban artists who like didn't leave Cuba after the revolution, um, but who were an yeah, important part yeah. of the music scene before the revolution and in some ways during it, although things were pretty different um, once the government kind of, the Castro government took control and, and changed the landscape a little bit. So Um, but they, I mean, they just have some really, really beautiful, beautiful music. Incredible. So gorgeous. And yeah, I mean, I think that sometimes we try to do so much like stuff that's new or stuff that Mm -hmm. like you haven't heard before. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't really fall into either category, Mm -hmm. right? Like this is like very popular, you know, like Mm -hmm. not new at all, but yeah, it's also, you know, like there's plenty of songs like that, that we've brought in when a social club is like a, a big a big gap so yeah I'm glad I don't that even brought know. them <laughs> I don't know how we how we got here with that without them but yeah they're just they're incredible I mean in Vero you know you and I haven't seen that much live music together but we've actually we did get to see these folks on their like yeah. farewell, farewell tour a few years we ago did. it was really really good must have been like four years ago with our friend Sarah shout out to Sarah I'm glad we got to experience Cute. that together yeah that yeah. was good that was a really fun show yeah so this group is I mean in some ways, it was an artificially created thing. It was like some mm-hmm. people went mm-hmm. to Cuba. I think not Cubans necessarily went in the late 90s um, with, I think, this mission of trying to um, preserve some of the legacy of the music that came that was really incredible and diverse and um, important in like the 40s and 50s, like pre um, the Castro Revolution. And so they gathered these musicians together, some of whom had collaborated in the 40s and 50s and some of whom hadn't, um, and, and created this, you know, 
big band, right? There's lots and lots of people mm -hmm. in it. Um, there's many, you know, there's many. The ensemble is very large and has shifted over the years, um, over the last couple of decades as well. But so in some ways it was kind of an, a, create, a thing that was created um, rather than, you know, it's not like all bands aren't created, but this one in particular had, a, had its own origin story. And then there's a documentary yeah. film um, that helped really popularize them outside of Cuba. And I don't know about the politics of it because to do that in the 90s, like they had to have some... Um, permission and relationship with the Castro government because things are very, very tightly controlled, especially mm -hmm. then. Mm -hmm. Like a little bit less more no less now, but especially then, like it was still pretty tightly controlled. So I don't know. I wonder about the politics behind it and how the the people involved in this, particularly outside of Cuba, how they negotiated that with the Castro government. But somehow they they were successful in doing this and um, and and bringing this back. And so the. Buena Vista Social Club was a place, it was a social club in Havana in the 40s that was an important sort of center of music. And, um, and it, that was a time in Havana where everything was segregated by race. And so there were black clubs and mm. white clubs, which is interesting um, to know that history. And Buena Vista was a like Afro-Cuban spot. Um, and so some of these artists were people who played in, in that club in the 40s. Um, and a, a number of the the key figures in in Buena Vista died within a few years of the project coming out because they were like in their 80s and 90s. I mean, you think about it, if you're making music in the 40s, right, you're not super joven by the time you get to the 2000s. So um, some of the, the legends that you hear on these tracks have passed away, have already passed away. But now there are more people who can have continued to um, continue sort of the legacy of this music. And there's like a new um, orchestra that, still tours kind of under the one of Vista name, but it's a different, not doesn't have a lot of the original members in it. Yeah. 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 And you know, this, this club was closed in, in, in the early sixties after the, the revolution happened. I mean, they closed a lot of the nightclubs, they closed gambling places, like kind of in a, in, in some, in something that sort of aligns with like far left ideologies around like what is, um, you know, wanting both wanting to like address social ills like gambling and drinking, but also um, really trying to restrict cultural production. And so when it comes to music, what I read about was that they really focused more on what we talked about in um, La Nueva Canción, which in Cuba was La Nueva mm -hmm. Trova, which was this like leftist yeah. political music, right? Which salsa can be political, but it's not necessarily. Um, not and inherently I, so, Not right? inherently. So a lot of these musicians that were involved when I used to, you know, lost their their jobs and their careers um, when the revolution happened, which was true of a lot of people because the, the, the economic model was entirely shifted to um, a social, like a communist model where everybody worked for the government, owned everything and everyone worked for the government. So being an independent musician, like, how does that work in that context? So a lot of these folks, you know, w their musical kind of professional careers were, were stopped when, when the Castro government took over in the 60s. I should rewatch the documentary. I've I haven't know. seen it in literally like 20 years. I know, me neither. I wanted to, so before we go to the next song, I wanted to talk a little bit about Omara Portuondo because she was at the show that we saw. Oh, she was she like, was I feel like she was like the star of the show yeah, that we saw. She really was. It's like incredible presence, incredible voice. Yeah, she's she was just, yeah, had like una presencia that was like mm -hmm. out of this world for sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she's incredible. And you know, the, the real legacy of Buena Vista is that they brought Cuban music into like mainstream popularity internationally again in an important way um, because mm -hmm. the revolution really did, uh, it really did stop that 
coming from Cuba. Obviously, there's a huge diaspora of Cuban musicians, um, like Gloria Stefan and many, many others, who continued the traditions of Cuban music, like, from afar. But on the island itself, like, people were really prevented from um, being part of an international music scene in the same way, both for economic reasons, but also, I think, for political ones. And so yeah. this really kind of brought a particular um, type of Cuban music and from Cuban on the island, like back into the international scene in a way that I think is really important. For sure. So our next one is from a Brazilian Tropicalia band that is really important. And I'm really glad that we're finally bringing them. This song is called Amina Menina and it's Os Mutantes. Minha menina Eu sou o menino dela Ela é o meu amor Eu sou o amor todinho dela Chama! Uh! A lua prateada se esconder E só dourado aparecer Mutantes were a part of this like whole movement of artists, like people like Gaetano Veloso, who we also haven't brought to the past this podcast, um, who were like making art and music at a time of military dictatorship in Brazil, and just like really pushing the limits of art and creativity and you know like what was acceptable and um, you know doable at that time in terms of of art and cultural production. And um, I think that their music sounds really interesting because they were sort of like blending all these different influences. So this is from 1968. And um, they're sort of blending like the rock music that they were hearing coming out of like Great Britain, you know, like the Beatles. And then like with like psychedelia and like also Brazilian, like really tropical sounds. And I think that like what they came up with is like really cool and interesting and like unlike anything else. and, um, you know, I think that they were doing really cool, interesting stuff. And the one of the um, the reasons that um, I wanted to bring this after Buena Vista Social Club is because similarly to, to uh, Buena Vista Social Club, they had sort of like a resurgence and a comeback mm. in the sense that like, you know, um, after being active for a few years, they really fell apart because of like drug use and life and, you know, todo ese mess. Mm-hmm. But in like the mid 2000s, um, there was like a resurgence of international interest. They'd been like 
sort of slowly garnering attention and praise throughout the years. And then eventually I think that they had like a comeback tour. Like there's like a, an effort to like bring them back. Wow. And I, I saw them on that tour. I think it was like 2006-ish, right? And like so, mm. so in the similar sort of like Buena Vista Social Club sort of way, these were musicians who were like doing their own thing, making their mark, being talented, but then had this like sudden burst of international recognition like much later beyond like when their artistic peak was happening, right? It's fascinating. This song is actually a cover by them, but it's really one of my favorites by them. It's I think it's just like so fun and like really like easy and beautiful and it just gets me in like a lovely mood. And mm. um, you know, like y'all should y'all should listen to them some more. They're they're really great. But I wanted to make sure to to bring that because I think that some in terms of like our gaps on this show yeah. also yeah. like we have a lot of gaps in terms of Brazilian mm -hmm. music because For sure. just um, you know like I think that like the fact that it's a different language means that like mm -hmm. music in Portuguese doesn't get played in the same sort of like Mm -mm. Latin industry, you know, like it's not like yeah. shared as much. And I think that, you know, like, right. but obviously Brazilians are Latinos and, and part of like, you know, a similar cultural dynamic. But I think that that language barrier sometimes means that like, it's, it's a gap that we have. So I wanted to address that with, right. you know, a, a really important band from, yeah. from Brazil. Yeah. I feel like there's been like a couple of like Brazilian crossovers into like the Latin music in the U.S. I'm like can't remember the names of them right now, but like there's a few songs that have Portuguese in them or are mostly in Portuguese that have crossed over. But yeah, it's pretty unusual. Yeah, I think there's for sure. Like a, a big divide for sure. Even though it's like Brazil has a huge music industry, it's a huge country. Yeah, yeah, and there's amazing, you know, cool new shit coming out of Brazil every day. Really amazing mm -hmm. hip hop. Really cool like R&B. Right. Like, you know, like really incredible stuff with like Afro-Brazilian rhythms all the time. Well, this, lots of our episodes are really like a diverse mix, but this one in particular is <laughs> <laughs> like a really weird ass mix. For though. sure. So, get ready. Get ready. Because <laughs> um, now we're going to go to some boy band pop. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is a song by Menudo, which I think is a big, a big gap that we have never, we've never brought Menudo. Um, and this song is called Subete a mi moto.
Yeah, it's a little different than Brazilian psychedelic. Un poco. Un poco, un poco. So, Menudo is like an epic Puerto Rican boy band that somehow spanned a career for like almost, no, more than 30 years. They started in 1977 and they went until 2009. I would say they peaked in the 80s. So we're like a little bit too young for yeah. Menudo. Yeah, when yeah. you asked me if I listened to Menudo, I was like, mm, I was too young for Menudo. Yeah, yeah. we were too young um, for Menudo and like my parents were too old for it, you know? So it's like I didn't yeah. I didn't hear it growing up, but I like know of them um, and they, I mean, they were epic and had tons and tons of hits and, and they're interesting because they... They're really boys. Like, they're not, I feel like in the U.S., a boy band. They're, like, you know, 19 years old, a lot of them, Young right? men. <laughs> right. Uh, maybe also because they start as younger and then they, they stay in the band, right? Like, the, But with Manuelo, the, the cast of characters just rotated and rotated and rotated. And I don't know how much that was intentional. Like, they wanted them to be boys of a certain age and then they get too old. Or if it was also, like, all the drama. Because there was a lot of drama. But, yeah. So, I mean, you look at, the like, the cover of this album. And, like, these are boys. Like, these are, like, prepubescent boys, you know? Yeah. They're not, like, heartthrobby teenagers. Which I think is interesting because this song, one of the reasons I liked this song was because it, it really plays that line of, like, these young boy voices and this these lyrics that are about, you know, that are about love to a certain degree. But they're also very clearly, like, a sexual metaphor. But, you know, like, come ride my motorcycle. <laughs> oh my <God>. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you're not, you know, you can't go too far. Otherwise, it's kind of, like, creepy because they're children, you know? But it's, like, right. riding this line of, like, are we talking about, like, going on a date on my motorcycle? Or are we talking about, like, having sex? You know? It's like, well, actually, we're talking about both, you know? And, like, your moto is probably a metaphor for something else. Um, but they're <laughs> children, so I don't even know. There's a lot. There's a lot. Is this the Ricky Martin menudo? I don't think so. I think this predates Ricky Martin. He was there. There were several versions of Manolo. Yeah. Oh no, no. There were. I mean, this is the thing. You're talking thirty years of a one boy band, and nobody lasted more than seven years. So, like, there's, you know, how many Manolos is that? I mean, there's a like the list of if you go on the Wikipedia page, like the list of people who've been in the band. It's like wild. It's wild. But yeah, he's. The, I mean, he's the most famous one to come from Manolo, for sure. I think he's the most name recognizable one. But I mean they were hugely, hugely popular. They were apparently they were the first boy band to have their own private jet, I learned when researching. Oh. <laughs> so I mean that's like a lot of money. You gotta have a lot of money like in the eighties, you know, to have a private jet. Um Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, we've been talking about doing a boy band episode, which maybe we will do sometime because they're definitely not the only boy band in this genre, like Cinco. It's another one that's like popular right now. And then both Backstreet and Insync had Latino members. I believe. Mm -hmm. so, so <laughs> Maybe one we'll day a, we'll get into it. A boy band episode, yeah. But I thought that, you know, three years in, given all the pop that I bring, like we should, you know, should bring some throwback. You wanted some Menudo to be Menudo. a part of that. Yeah. And like this song is a bop. I'm like, no, no, You know, like, like I definitely can get into it. <laughs> yes. This would be a good karaoke song. This would be a good karaoke song. Oh um, my God. Yeah. So it's just like pretty much exemplifies the teenage band boy, boy band category playing up their, you know, playing up their sex appeal, but in a way that's supposed to be subtle because they're children and it's weird. So awkward. So, so weird. Awkward. <laughs> I know. It's like, who wrote this song? <laughs> Which manager? Somebody hella grown, probably. Yes, for sure. For sure. But yeah, their voices are like, their voices haven't dropped yet. You know, <laughs> like they're still like singing in this like high little like 
prepubescent boy falsetto. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, these these guys were a big deal for a, quite a long time. I mean, I think they went past their prime. You know, I think they were riding the coattails of Menudo like into the two thousands. But I would say like in the eighties and probably early nineties, they were they were like a pretty big deal. All right, so my next song is by a rock and espanol legendary band that I think that probably our friend Babelito from Latinos Who Lunch would be so upset to um, to know that we've never brought Slash. Maybe he'll just be very happy that we're finally bringing his favorite band. This is a song called Como Te Extraño Mi Amor, and it's by Café Tacuba. Pienso que tú nunca vendrás Pero te quiero y te tengo que esperar Es el destino, me lleva hasta el final Donde algún día mi amor te encontrará Ay amor divino Pronto tienes que brought cafeta i mean gaps yeah vergüenza i know <laughs> but i mean sorry I kind of believe we can though because we're not like super no. like rock and espanol people right yeah so i, like I think we have actually, a lot of though. gaps in that area too yeah but I, I did actually like this i've not i know of them but i haven't spent a lot of time listening and it's like it's got like a sweet sort of um I don't know, melodic thing going on to the song. Yeah, that, I mean, the, I the like. thing about Café Tacuba is that they're genre benders, right? Okay. Like, you know, I think that they're, like, c considered, you know, like, rock en español, pero they have so many songs that are, like, so, could be, like, really categorized in so many wildly different genres, right? And I think that, like, this, they have, like, a rock, like, sensibility, right? Right. Pero they're not afraid to play with it. This song in particular is off of their third album, which is an album full of covers, right? Every mm. single song on it is a cover, including this one. This The original song is by Leo Dang. And the covers are all so super different from the originals. And it's really fun to take a, you know, like to take a listen to the original and then take a listen to the ones that they did. And mm. and I think that like they, they accomplished something really cool. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, like they, they're all also like super different from each other. They're not afraid to experiment with sounds. I was wondering if like this was the best one to bring from them. I feel like this is like a song that I have a personal connection to. I feel like maybe it came out during a time when 
I had access to um, to Spanish language music like for a summer or something like that. Mm-hmm. No sé, pero I think that their most classic album I think would be the one before this, right? Mm-hmm. It's their second album. I think it's considered like really one of the classics of rock en español. Mm. Um, and um, the song, I consider bringing a song from there and the, the song that I have the most connection to that's like the biggest hit from there is a song called Ingrata which I think is probably one of their most famous songs. Yeah. And in some ways it's really cool, right? It's like they really like embraced ranchera. Because they're, they're Mexican, yeah? Yeah, yeah, they're Mexican. But it's also like a murder ballad, right? And Ooh. it's about this like breakup and this jilted boyfriend that talks about how he could hurt his ex and kill her. Oh. And it's like really fairly tasteless in general, but like especially in the context of like the femicidios and like that issue uh, being so big in Mexico in particular, it's really nasty. Mm. Uh, pero I do have to get credit where credit's due. Um, a couple of years ago in an interview with them, you know, like Cafeta has been always like fairly political um, mm-hmm. and, you know, talks about like climate and talks about all these other like political things. And a couple of years ago in an interview, they came out saying that they probably wouldn't play the song anymore in wow. shows and it's it's like one of their biggest hits one of their most like wow. considered one of the most classic hits and they said that like you know unless they could figure out a way to change some of those lyrics whatever like you know they really didn't want to be part of a culture that denigrated women and like makes violence against women acceptable and like wow. they like they they're like really like taking responsibility for it you know like they like in the interview, like they're saying, you know, some people say that it's just a song, but songs make up culture and culture is what makes, you know, like things acceptable or not acceptable. So Mm. like, I just think that takes a lot of fucking guts, you know, especially when it's like one of your signature song, especially like, cause growth in public is fucking hard, you Mm -hmm. know, it's hard and it, like, it doesn't take away from the fact that they did record that song, and that right. sucks, but, like, also, like, a culture that takes women's lives for granted is, like, the water that we swim in, right? And, like, we all have to, like, unlearn it actively, and some of us have to do that publicly, and, mm-hmm. you know, like, that's really fucking hard to, like, you know, fuck up in public. Right. And yeah. to be able to, like, own it and grow, I think, is really great. Um, and so, you know, shout out to them for that. And, yeah. and like this, so, so I chose not to bring that song for that reason, but I wanted to give them that credit where credit is due. And also like wanted to highlight this song. Um, cause it's like such a, such a cute, beautiful yeah. cover and it's like very like, <laughs> you know, just like very like sort of like twee for Cafe Takua, yeah. but, <laughs> yeah. but really great. Right. I know. I think I like it for that reason. <laughs> it's like a little bit more melodic. Um, that's really interesting about that song. I did not know the the context. I mean, it, it still makes you wonder, though. It's like, where was that? Where were the people or like the where was that perspective when they wrote it and, and recorded it? You know, like, why did it take? Yeah, I mean, they were super young. It was like 1994. Yeah. Or 1993 or something like, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just like I don't have any I don't have any real um, exposure to rock and Espanol. And so it's not where I go on my own. And then I didn't, it's not like I heard it growing up or anything like that. And so it's just pretty outside of my world. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, there's plenty of it that I enjoy when I listen. I just don't have any, any draw to it. I get it. All right. My last pick for this gaps episode, my last um, thing that, that it's been a big 
a big thing that we've neglected to bring, that I've neglected to bring, which actually <laughs> Beto pointed out to me. So thanks, Beto. This is Juanes with La Camisa Negra. Tengo la camisa negra, hoy mi amor está de luto. Hoy tengo en el alma una pena y es por culpa de tu embrujo. Hoy sé que tú ya no me quieres y eso es lo que más me hiere. Que tengo la camisa negra y una pena que me duele. Mal parece que solo me quedé y fue pura todita tu mentira. Que maldita mala suerte la mía que aquel día te encontré por beber del veneno. Cama, cama, baby, te digo con disimulo que tengo la camisa negra y debajo tengo el difunto. A enterrártelo cuando quieras, mamita. such a classic Juanes song and Juanes mm-hmm. is also such a huge huge deal it, I actually was totally shocked that I had never brought him um, so Beto thank you for pointing that out to me yeah yeah um, I mean yeah he's a huge deal Colombian you know pop singer basically um, mm-hmm. I was definitely into him in like the 2005 era and had like two of his albums and this was, you know, I know all the lyrics to this song. I also really like Adios Le Pido, which is another one of his hits from a different yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I was into that song when it came out. It was like cute. Catchy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, clearly he's not on my rotation anymore because it's been three years and it's not come up. And this song, like, I feel like could have fit some themes we've done. Like, you know, it could have come up, but it's just, yeah, it's not on my, it's not on my rotation these days. Um, but he's catchy as fuck, you know, and like the lyrics are clever. Um, he does this thing that I've other songs often do where you where the lyric implies like a swear, but you don't actually say it. You know mm-hmm. where it's going with that word because of the rhyme yeah. or whatever. But then they just like jump on over it, which I guess is a clever way to be like radio friendly. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I yeah, I don't listen to him now, but I definitely had a pretty big phrase, um, phase of Juanes. I think around the time when I was in Ecuador, like, I, I got to know some of his music. Um, kind of the same era when I was listening to, like, some Ana and some um, some of these other kind of South American, Central American pop. The yeah. Mana is more rock, yeah. but... Um, but, yeah, he's incredibly popular. He grew up in Medellin um, during a time of a ton of violence and, and a lot of murders and things going on with the political situation and the drug war. And, um, he was pretty touched by that as a child. Like he lost cousins, he lost friends. Um, so that was interesting part of his history that I did not know. And, uh, he went solo in 98 and this is from his second solo album, Mi Sangre, which was a huge, huge hit. And I listened to a ton. So did you, you remember listening to him somewhat when you were in that era, Beto? Yeah, yeah, like in the like early two thousands when Juan was like Juanes was like popping, you know, like I feel like it was one of the things that like was part of like the constellation of things that was around for sure. Yeah. 
And I think this is this one. This is one of the songs that like everybody knows the lyrics to, you know, or a lot of people do. It'd be a good, uh, it'd be a good karaoke one. <laughs> I know, yeah. I definitely know all the lyrics to it. Yeah, he's not um, somebody that I listen to now, really ever. No, but, oh, I think that at that time, mm-hmm. he made he was yeah. part of the rotation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he made some of music. His last album came out in 2014, so I don't know how active yeah, he is. Yeah, he did a he collaboration tours. recently with Galiuchis. That's the last oh. one is that I heard. That's cool. How was that? It was cute. It was cute. Interesting. I love it. I love the collaborations. All right. So my last song, the last song of this episode today is a gap that, again, I think that um, we have because of just like our listening habits. But I'm really glad to bring finally Los Tigres del Norte. This song is called La Jaula de Oro. Aquí estoy establecido en los Estados Unidos, diez años pasaron ya. En que crucé de mojado y papeles no he arreglado, sigo siendo un ilegal. Tengo mi esposa y mis hijos que me los traje muy chicos y se han olvidado ya. Nunca me olvido y no puedo regresar ¿De qué me sirve el dinero si estoy como prisionero dentro de esta gran nación? Cuando me acuerdo hasta lloro que aunque la jaula sea de oro no deja de ser prisión Escúchame hijo ¿Te gustaría que regresáramos a vivir a México? What you talking about, Dad? I don't want to go back to Mexico. No way, Dad. Mis hijos no hablan conmigo. So definitely one of the areas where we've had some more gaps is Mexican, like Norteño music, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Mostly because neither of us really grew up with that music. You know, like we grew up with know. more Caribbean genres but i do remember moving to the united states and always seeing ads on univision for los tigres del norte like box sets and you know <laughs> and mm-hmm. albums and all that and being like what the fuck is this mexican cowboy polka like what is this music <laughs> like yeah. i just had no context heavy for accordion it heavy accordion <laughs> It was just so foreign to me, you know, like it's so interesting, right? Because like when I first came to the United States, like, you know, people's context for Latinidad was Mexicanness and like Mexicanness was so, mm. yeah, I had no context for it at all, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, like really like gringo music was less foreign to me because gringo music is everywhere and it reached Venezuela, right? Pero Norteño, like nada que ver. What I knew right. about Mexican music was limited to like mariachi. That's it. Mm, mm-hmm. But anyway, so I think that for that reason, we have like a lot of gaps when it comes to Norteño. Pero I picked Los Tigres del Norte because I think that they're really cool. Um, did you know that they played a show for the inmates at Folsom Prison like in no, the last I had few years? No idea. Like recently. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like Johnny fucking Cash. Like I just think that's so. I just think that's really fucking cool. Like. Prisons exist to banish people that the criminal system decides aren't worth anything to society. And the point is 
to punish them, yes, but it's also to, like, remove them from society and to, like, make people forget about them. And so, like, for me, as, like, a prison abolitionist, it just, like, really touches me that Los Tigres del Norte played at Fools in Prison because it, like, resists this logic that, like, people who are incarcerated should be, like, removed and forgotten and, like, don't deserve anything nice. Right. Yeah, right. it's very political. So, yeah. Yeah, it's super fucking political. And I guess, like, their first show in the U.S. ever was a pri- in a prison. So, um, wow. you know, I think that that's really cool. And, like, I think that because, like, Norteño is a storytelling genre, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this, um, a lot of the, you know, like, a lot of the stories of Los Tigres and Norte talk about, like, the stories of, like, you know, like, people, like, on the border, people, like, immigrants, you know? And it's it is very political, right? Like their music is very political. Like this song is called La Jaula de Oro. Um, And, you know, it's about being like undocumented, about being like un padre de familia and feeling like imprisoned in the United States, right? Because you can't cross back and forth, right? Like you can't go home, right? So like you're like in, like you're in this prison, but it's una jaula de oro, pero no importa que sea de oro because it's still a, cage right it's like golden right handcuffs. And yeah yeah but and then like the other thing that it addresses that is like you know like he brought his kids when they were really little and their kids don't really remember mexico and yeah. like so he's like they're like in a really also like there's this cultural divide that he experiences with his first gen kids right and right. i just it's like such a common experience it's really powerful i feel like a lot of people listening to this could probably relate. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's really, really cool. Right. And it's such a, it's such a moment in time because this was from 84 and right. And there was this like very, you know, there's been waves of immigration, like surges of immigration, Mexican immigration to the right, United States right. um, in the seventies and the nineties. And like they map onto what was going on politically and economically in both countries. And so, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, it's kind of like our generation, right? Like of our parents who are immigrants. I mean, neither of us are Mexican or, you know, coming here with undocumented parents. But, um, you know, it's like the, the cultural divide that happens when, you know, you're, mm-hmm. yeah, you bring your kids or they're born here and then you're stuck here by your immigration status. But then you're also stuck here by the fact that your kids are now American to a certain degree. And like, you know, if you were like, let's move back to Mexico, like you're going to have some cultural divides with your kids too, even if you decided to go back and never, you know, come back to us or you leave and go back, but then you can't see your kids who are here, you know, it's so complicated. So it's, it's a really, I think there's a whole generation of people who, who are raised by parents in that situation or themselves were parents in that situation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I do really like the storytelling genres. I think that really appeals to me. Um, maybe cause I'm like a writer and like to also write stories, but um, songs that have that kind of narrative that you can follow, I think are really beautiful. It's really good. Yeah. And I think it's like a really cool way to tell stories, like, and to, to do like cultural work that's like organizing work, you know, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and to do political work in a different way. Yeah. I totally, um, I think this podcast has also helped me develop an appreciation for the accordion <laughs> like mm-hmm. I think I would have had your reaction that you had like what is this like polka but now I'm like oh I like this you know like yes the accordion <laughs> like I'm just yeah I'm getting more into it because now I've had more exposure to it through the the music that we brought and the people who brought who've brought songs our guests and things like that so great that's excellent I'm so <laughs> glad that we've gotten into this now mm-hmm 
me too. Well, I hope that we have addressed some of the gaps. Yes. Um, if you have other gaps that you've noticed that mm -hmm. you're like a longtime listener and you're like, well, I've never heard you bring this. Our listener picks episodes are yeah. a great way to do it. If you have an idea for a song that you think really should have been on this podcast, as has it been on or an artist that you've never heard us play. Um, let us know. We'd love to feature them. We're trying to do listener picks episodes every so often. So um, we always learn cool stuff from you all. Yes. Thank you so much. And um, hope you enjoyed this like very eclectic journey across <laughs> like geography and genre and time and space. <laughs> um, yes, un poquito de todo, you know, I know. Living up to I, our promise at all times. I know. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> Make sure you're subscribed to our show. We drop a new episode every Friday. Last week, we got to do a really fun deep dive into the new Romeo Santos album. So you should make sure to check that out if you haven't yet. And if you haven't left us a review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, we would really, really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review. It helps other folks find our show. Thanks for everything, babies. Hasta la próxima. Bye. Bye.